Well, I'm, I'm starting a new series today because we're in the middle of Easter. You might think, what? Easter was three weeks ago now. Well, in the church calendar, which we choose to participate in, uh, Easter Sunday starts the season of Easter. So 52 Sundays a year, we celebrate the resurrection. But the church calendar is designed to, to bring us to this, this culmination of the Easter season where we give special attention uh, to the resurrection of our Lord. And simultaneously, the Lord's been stirring in me uh, new vision and new ideas and new possibilities for our church family and for you. And so the title of this series is CIL Resurrection. And as Pastor Deborah so eloquently reminded us that the church is not a building, it's not a logo, it's not a name, it's the people. And I see that God is resurrecting dreams, ideas, um, pathways, things that we have buried. As Pastor John McKenzie encouraged us last week, we are going to unearth so we can reinvest. He is resurrecting life in all of us. You're not a spectator, right? God's not going to just move in other people and then overlook you. He has a plan for you, and that plan is good. And resurrection power settles our destiny in heaven, but it resides with us even now. That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, and he keeps on giving life to our mortal bodies. He keeps on giving fresh ideas and fresh pathways and new perspectives. It's a resurrection power is here. It's among us. And I have great hope for your future because I know the God of all hope. You know, a motivational talk is totally dependent on you. If I can say something that would cause you to feel emotionally better or more inspired or have a new idea, but in the end, it's all up to you still. This is more than a motivational talk. This is pointing you to Jesus, who is the resurrection, and he has resurrection power that he keeps enduing life into us, like he keeps giving the life of his spirit within us, and so I'm glad we're going to receive today. And so a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was on Palm Sunday, I just shared a little bit about my prayer list or my prayer heart. I'm, I'm praying for our church to reach new ground for the Lord, for the kingdom, and, and so I listed eight things. I said, here are eight things I'm praying for, eight reasons why I'm praying for CIL to grow. And so through the series, we're going to look at some of those statements. Here was one of the definitive statements that we said. We will obey the Great Commission. We will obey the Great Commission. Some of you might say, well, what's the Great Commission? You're about to find out in this teaching today. <laughs> Others of you are kind of like, oh, yeah. I remember hearing about the Great Commission at Vacation Bible School 30 years ago or, or maybe at a Sunday school class or whatever the case is. But I'm glad to share with you this call from Jesus to your life. It's not a call from Jesus to the professional Christians or the paid staff or, or those who have somehow reached an elite level. There's no such thing as an elite level in the kingdom of God. In fact, those who are the highest should be the greatest servants. And so that's how Jesus works in his kingdom. But we at CIL have a mission statement. 
And it's, it's very simple. You can memorize it today if you want to. Know his love, share his love. I made it really simple because I wanted, I wanted it, me and the team who came up with it, we wanted it to be memorable and, and wanted it to be something you digest and becomes part of who you are. So we gather together for these great times of receiving from the Lord, to know the Lord better, and simultaneously we share his love too. Now the great commission came from Jesus right before he ascended into heaven. And we'll go now to Matthew 28. You can turn there in your Bibles. You can find it on your phone. And we'll read this as our passage today. And then I'll break down the passage. Matthew 28, starting with verse 18. I can tell some of you are still getting there, but I just love the first three words to that before we read. Jesus came near. Isn't that good? Well, Jesus isn't distant. Jesus isn't unattainable. Jesus is not aloof. Jesus is not hard to get around. Jesus came near. He initiated. He came near. There's a closeness, and we feel that closeness here this morning. Verse 18, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, it is the word of the Lord, and that is the Great Commission. Jesus said, I have all power. I have all authority. I can, I can reach the world any way I want to. Therefore, you go. Now, I've been familiar with the scripture most of my life, and I've heard lots of sermons about it, lots of teachings about it. I've been through training to go on missions trip, training to plant churches, training to, to spread the word of the Lord about. If I'm just being honest with you, this scripture sometimes feels like pressure. It feels like obligation, not the way Jesus presented it, but the way I interpreted it. And I hope to change that perspective this morning because I want you to see this, that the Great Commission is not something we do. The Great Commission is a response of who we are. We don't go once a year on a mission trip. We don't go on Saturday mornings door to door and then forget about sharing his love the rest of the week. We, do, we don't go to the food court every quarter to appease our conscience, to pass out literature at the mall food court. I can say that because no one goes to the food court anymore anyway, right? So I'm not stepping on any toes. But back in the 90s, that's what we would do. We'd show up at the food court, pass out some tracks, you know, and get some teriyaki chicken, and then the Great Commission was off our back, you know? That's not what we're talking about. God bless all of those endeavors. Is the Great Commission is not something we do. It's, it's an outflow of who we are. And Jesus, when Jesus identified his followers, he, he identified people who were always going to be on the go. People who were active. Pe people who had something to share. Now, I say this because in this room and those who are watching on the screen, it's remarkable 
all the different things you're involved in in your life. I, I just love hearing people's stories. I love to see how God has brought us together as a faith community. What's your interest? What's your life about? Whether you stay at home or whether you're active in your career, or, there's just such a variety here. Do you know that God isn't asking you to change those things? God has predetermined by his will for you to be who you are. And he wants to use the gift of your life as an outflow of his heart to the world. So here's the first word I want to give you. I'm going to give you three words today. First word is movement. Movement. We're, we're people that move a lot. We don't stay stagnant. We, we are people of change, not change for the sake of change's sake, but because the spirit is always leading us to change. And so while, while we value stability, we know that in the framework of stability is this idea that God is always bringing new life and change through his people. So the way we are today, we won't be that way five years from now, five months from now, even five weeks from now. We're constantly changing. And we know this movement creates energy, right? When you, you can just go to one of our nursery classrooms and you're welcome to apply to do that. You can go to one of our nursery classes once a month. Dana Thornburg's been doing it every Sunday for years. So thank you, Dana. So, and many more. Now, now there's like 12 of you. I need to acknowledge. I shouldn't have done that, but thank you. And, and you go and you go to the three-year-old classroom and they don't sit still and listen. They move, they move, they get energy. If they're not napping, they're moving. It's like two speeds, which is nap and move. They're moving all over the place. There's energy, there's life in there. Heat is generated. If you go to a class of sixth grade boys and, and they move around, smell is generated. That just, that just happens because energy, movement creates stuff. It creates stuff. And that's why we are people that we're moving. We're always thinking like, God, what do you have for my life? What do you have for my career? God, what do you want to do in my marriage this year? God, what do you want to do in my friend group? God, what do you want to do with my next roommate? God, what do you want to do with my family? God's always moving. He's always up to something. There's some activity. God's not stale. God is moving in a fresh and a new way. And so against God's people, Jesus said, I have all authority and power. Therefore, I'm saying to you, go. Be on the move. Try something new. Take a risk. Stretch yourself. When is the last time that you've tried something that you were completely dependent upon God. A lot of times we want to just eliminate risk all the time. Eliminate risk, eliminate risk, eliminate risk, because then we, can, we think wrongfully we can control the situation. But when's the last time we said, God, I'm gonna go out on the limb by your leadership, trusting you, because out on the edge of the limb, I know that if I fall, you're the only one who can catch me. This is the spirit we have as Jesus people. Jesus people who have heard his message, go, move, create, let activity begin to happen. In John chapter 20, we, we read the scripture on Easter, but the, here it is, we're, we're hearing the scripture again. John chapter 20, starting with verse 19, it says, when it was evening on the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked 
because they feared the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Beautiful story we talked about at Easter. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, peace be with you. That's part of knowing his love. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. This was, these were words leading to the Great Commission. That we as Jesus people do what Jesus did. Jesus was sent by the Father. And so we're sent. We're sent. We go places where ministry is needed. That means there's, there's been three or four of you, maybe more, who have gone on this long mission trip to the 1045 service. <laughs> Guys, and last week, God moved in our 1045 service. Now, I don't like to compare 9 a.m. and 1045 because we're all one family, right? But last week, the 1045 service was bigger. They were a little more into worship. They were a little more enthusiastic. Guys, we've been praying for that for years. And now it was only one week. So Lord, come through again in next service. And we'll bring it no matter what. But there were, there's, there's four or five people in here that asked, hey, would you come to the 1045 service? This is, it's the shortest mission trip you'll ever have. Shortest mission trip you'll ever have, 1045 service. Our 242 leaders, we had to ask them, hey guys, everyone at 9 a.m., not everyone, but most people are in a 242 group. So having a donut with them after service is not doing us any good. <laughs> Would you stay till after the 1045 service twice a year? Can you do that? And they said, yes, they did it. They did it. And that was, they, that was going. That's, that's going. That's saying, okay, twice a year, even though I like the 9 a.m. time slot, I will be at the church from 12 to 12.15 to try to get more people in small groups. That's what I'm saying. When we, when we hear the word go, it's not always to another country. It's not always to the other side of the globe. Sometimes it's the walk across the room. When you're like, I want to talk about football with this guy I've been going to church with for 10 years. But in the corner of your eye, your eye, you see that person sitting by themselves and you're not sure if they've been greeted. That's when Jesus said to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And sometimes that's as simple as closing a conversation that you enjoy to walk to somebody who may be alone. Because this great commission, the missionaries don't let us off the hook, right? You know, oh, I'm so glad we've got, you know, we do. We have like 30 missionaries we support, or, you know, just a bunch of our ministries and so forth. And, and thank God we do that. And I want to do more of that. But that doesn't get us off the hook to go. Right. We, we go across the street and we go to volunteer and we go to Awana to listen to kids read. I can say that easily because this is our last week of Awana. But in August, you can go to Awana to hear kids read. We, we, we go, we don't bury the gift God's given us to reference last Sunday. We steward the gift God's given us. Now say all of this, because this is not about CIO's development. This is about your development. As a Jesus person, look for that place to, in health and in spirit leadership, to go where God's called you to go. And that 
that activity creates energy. That movement creates activity and energy that blesses the world. Here's number two. The second word that comes to my mind in the scripture is transformation. Transformation. Look at verse 19 and 20 again. Making disciples of all nations. Not just making converts of all nations. Hey, don't go on a mission trip and raise your money just, you know, just so you can uh, take some pictures of some kids and then go on a tourist trip the rest of the time. We do missions work with the local church in other parts of the world. Because the local church is the representation of Jesus to the world. And in the local church, people get discipled. Make disciples of all ethnic groups. That's what that word nations mean. It means all people groups, all subgroups. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the strongest Trinitarian verses we have. Teaching them. Not, not just, you know, not just passing through town for the weekend. Teaching them to observe everything I commanded you. There's mentorship there. This is this idea of transformation. Guys, when it comes to doing God's work in this world, we're about transformation. We're not about stats. Okay? Transformation will create the stats we need. Transformation means that Jesus is changing them on the inside. And that's why adult baptisms are so important. I love the fact that kids get to be baptized, but let's face it, kids like to be baptized. They do. They think it's cool. They think it's fun. So thank God for that. Thank God for Pastor Faith and her amazing ministry to the kids. I'm not belittling that, but I'm, I'm actually want to lift that up. But I will say this, that I was baptized as a child. It's the only time I've been baptized. It was real. I remember it clearly. It meant something. So not minimizing this, but here's the fact. Kids enjoy being baptized. Adults, to put you guys in shorts in front of the church and make you get into a, a pool, you're like, I, I even see people shaking their head no already, okay? And so I, I've, been, I've been encountering this, the resistance of adults to be baptized. Now, I understand there's some phobias and we can have workarounds for that. Social phobias, I know someone who's afraid to go under the water. There, believe me, there are workarounds to all things. What, what I want is I want people to have a heart to obey Jesus. So correct doctrine is this. You don't have to be baptized in water to be saved. So everybody's like, okay, well, I'm off the hook. Well, but all Christians in the New Testament were baptized in water. And so I wonder, like, what, what is it about us that we don't really care? Well, yeah. I don't care if Jesus used it as an example. I don't care if everyone in the Bible did it. I don't want to do it. May may we want to follow the Lord. So I was thinking about this in in my prayer journal, and I wrote this statement, and I refer to this statement as we're getting ready for water baptism sometimes. May they understand Jesus and his uniqueness, way and call, that they willingly ceremonially, publicly allow themselves to be submerged in water and reemerge publicly transformed. I want you to think about that for a second. I'm going to read that statement again. It's, it came out of my prayer for some of you who are reluctant to be baptized. May they understand Jesus 
and his uniqueness, way, and call that they willingly, ceremonially, publicly allow themselves to be submerged in water and reemerged, publicly transformed. And be encouraged in that today. Mauricio, when's our next baptism scheduled? What's that? May 26th. That's my birthday. That'd be, oh man. I was about to come up with some kind of cool statement. Give Pastor Aaron a birthday present with the baptism. But hey, May 28th is the next time we have it scheduled. If you want to be baptized next week, you can. Because Mauricio sets up the baptistry, so I could just volunteer that all I want to. When it was just me setting it up, I'd be like, hey, once a month we offer baptism. Now, Mauricio, anytime you want baptized, Pastor Aaron, just his benevolent heart is wants to invite you to be baptized. But the connection here is discipleship. Okay. Go into all the world, to every people group, and teach them and disciple them that they would know the Lord so well that water baptism would be something they want to do. And it's like, yeah, this is what Christians do. And this is, this is our call to transformation. I want you to get a vision of something because this has happened in my life is that to God's glory, Beth and I have seen several of our neighbors be baptized since we've been married. And I want you to begin to imagine in your mind someone that you really care about. It may be an adult child. It may be a neighbor. It may be a coworker. And can you have the spiritual eyes to see them being baptized in the future. Not because we need a photo op. In fact, I think maybe the kingdom of God would be better if we couldn't post on social media about baptisms. Boy, that came kind of from the heart, but I don't know if I'll say that next service. But oh well, I don't know where that came from, but it wasn't in the notes, people. Okay, that wasn't written down. Because it's not about the social media moment, though the Lord can use that. And he can, I don't want to belittle that. But begin to imagine that person you care for so it can be a prayer point and not so you could just have the moment so that they can have the moment that they understand Jesus so much and they've been discipled and they've been taught that they willingly and publicly and ceremonially say, I'm okay to do this. I'm okay to do this. I, I want people to know. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 20 says, from now on, then we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything's from God who's reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us, look at this, the ministry of reconciliation. All of us have the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Man, that's a great message. That's a great message. So as you live your life, 
that the Lord's gonna use your career. The Lord's gonna use your talent. The Lord's gonna use your relational connections. The Lord's gonna use your testimony. He's gonna use that, that in your own words and in your own way, in your future, you're gonna say, hey, be reconciled to God. Come to church with me sometime. Try Jesus out. He's not here to exclude you. He came to include you. He's not here to push you out. He's here to call you home, to call you in, to call you home. And watch the Lord use your life to be an ambassador to him. That's what happens when transformation happens. I love it how when people lose weight, they love to tell how they lost weight. I took this pill every night at 8 p.m., and didn't eat the rest of the night. It might have something to do with not eating past eight. I don't know. They love, people love to tell about their school. Oh man, I, I love my school. People love to talk about something that impacted their life. It just kind of flows naturally out of them. This is where transformation happens with us. As we come together and as we hear anointed worship from Aubrey and the team, and as we go to the table of the Lord, and as we meet in 242 groups and men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies. We are transformed. Guys, we're not just putting in our time. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us and changed people have something to share. And I just believe that, that as we know his love, we'll share his love. As we go deeper with the Lord, as we get more of a touch of his presence, as the word of God is preached, as the sacraments are offered, as fellowship is rich, as mission trips occur. Hey guys, as we begin to do the work of the Lord, we're transformed by the work of the Lord. And as we're transformed by the work of the Lord, then we can just say, hey, this is what God did for me. This is the Lord's work in us. Here's the last word today. Last word is presence. Presence. Look at verse 20. Jesus said this. I've sent you. Go, he said. But remember this. I am with you always to the end of the age. What does the end of the age mean? It means all that mystery. And we know that a lot of people are in fear of the future. We live around people who are in fear of the future. That's why conspiracy theories appeal to people because there's like this thought of if I could kind of predict the future, then I won't be caught off guard. People are fearful of what the economy, will a recession happen? People are fearful of the environment. Will the planet implode? People are fear of the rise of crime. These are all concerns, but these concerns become fears when people don't trust the Lord and don't see the Lord's plan for their lives. There is a place of mystery. Jesus spoke to a people who were oppressed by the Roman army, a people who had no, no ability to rule themselves, very limited power. The, the Jewish people had no future in earthly terms. We even know that in the last 2,000 years that the anti-Semitic spirit is still alive and we know that the Jewish people are so vulnerable because of the demonic spirits that want to attack the Jews. And Jesus said, he said this, he said, I am with you even to the end of the age. Like the thing that you can't even imagine, the thing that, that is, you can't even conceive, the thing that you can't even imagine that would happen. And we've lived through several of those occasions just in our lifetime. The Lord is always with us. He's always calling us to go. 
there's movement around us. There's movement, there's activity around us. But every environment we're in, he's changing and transforming us by the power of his spirit. And then here's the deal. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's never without us. And this is what happened to the first church. And we're an extension of that first church. Acts chapter four, verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Guys, what we need is the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You, you might say, well, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a people person or I have anxiety or I'm not good with words or you might, you might not say this, but you might think, well, I'm embarrassed to share about my faith or I'm embarrassed to people to know that I'm a Christian. All of that is true without the Holy Spirit, but with the Holy Spirit, you don't even have to try. It'll just start natural. Transformation will happen and spiritual power, power will come over you. And hey guys, that's what we're advocating for. That's why we're lifting up his presence. That's why we're praying for you. That's why we have prayer partners every Sunday. That's why we're bringing you to Jesus. We're not bringing you to ourselves, to our identity. We're bringing you to the cross. We're bringing you to Jesus. We're bringing you to his power. His power and presence, yes, is necessary for salvation, but it doesn't end at salvation. He is a companion. He is a friend. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Call upon the name of the Lord in your day of trouble. He cares about your business issue. He cares about your relationship, relational dead end. He cares about that unruly classroom. He cares about your kid who is lonely and isolated. He cares about your financial shortfalls. He cares about that creative block in you. Jesus cares. He is not just saying, hey, I got him in heaven. They're on their own. No, he's with you in the darkest hour. He's with you during the greatest successes. He's with you to help you maintain the favor of the Lord. And he's there to help you tap in to his presence when you can't even say his name. Some of you, you just groan sometimes. The pain is so difficult. The troubles are so difficult. There's a groaning in you. And you're like, I can't even pray. I want you to hear this, that the word of God tells us in Romans 8, that even our groans, that words can't express, are a prayer to Jesus by the Spirit. Listen, you're not prayerless because he hears your heart. He hears your groan. He sees you in that place of isolation. He sees you in what you have called empty. And the place that you have called empty, he says, I'm right there in the middle of of the mess. I want you to know this. Even your best friend, even if you had the best spouse, even if you had the best relational scenario, that person can't meet the need of your soul that only Jesus can meet. The presence of the Lord reaches deep down and reaches a place. I love counselors. I, I love therapists. They've helped me. But I know this, that they are limited too. They can't reach down to the soul where only a touch of God can transform a part of you, a part of you that you open yourself to. So God, Guys, I want you to hear this. When Jesus says, go, 
It's not pressure. It's not obligation. It's not a guilt trip. It is an outflow of his life in you. It's a partnership. It's a friendship. It's an exciting life. It's a life of opportunity. You're not going to be judged whether you're going to heaven by what you do. You're going to be judged by who Jesus is. And he is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never abandon you. There's movement in your life. There's new activity. There's new opportunities. There's new things that the Lord has and whether you prefer it or not, when he is there, it's going to be okay. Whether you chose it or not, when he is there, it's going to be okay. His presence is everything you need. And so, yes, we will, CIL, we will, we will live the great commission, not out of fear, not out of guilt, not out of obligation, but out of friendship and partnership with the Lord. That's what we're going to do. So guys, if you're able to, let's stand together. I want to invite those who are going to distribute communion at the front to begin to prepare for that. Prayer partners position themselves for that. Father, I just thank you for a stirring of the Lord. I thank you, God, that we go to church and we're, we're people of duty. And that's a good thing. I want you to hear this. It's a good thing to be a person of duty. You dutifully go to church. That's what you do on Sunday mornings. But the Lord has surprises for you. He has activity. He has a word for you. Some of you guys, listen, this is a word from the Lord for you. God's stirring your call. God's stirring your vision. God's stirring the next three, three decades in your life, the next four decades of your life. And he's saying, listen, you've done great up to now, but you're not going to just coast. You're not just going to coast out of this. Listen, I am with you, the Lord says. I am your companion. I am your friend. I am your partner. And when the Lord begins to stir something new and fresh, it is not something that that will make things worse. It's going to add life and blessing and wholeness and truth and goodness to our life. Everything the Holy Spirit has for you, every fruit is before you. There is no fruit that he doesn't have for you. There is no fruit that your personality is limited to. There is in your future love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You might say, I'm not a very kind person. You're about to be a kind person because there's a Jesus, a Holy Spirit that transforms us from the inside out. He loves us too much to keep us where we are, but he transforms us from the inside out. I want you to, this, this just plays right into what Pastor Aubrey said earlier. We didn't coordinate this stuff. The Holy Spirit was speaking. Some of you are fixated on a mistake. You're fixated on a misstep. You're you're stuck. Your feet are stuck in the place of regret. But the Lord says, kick your feet up. Get moving again. Get walking again. Start moving towards the vision I have for your life. You won't stay where the mistake was. You won't stay where the misstep was. There is a path of freedom in life that's before you right now. So, Lord, we receive that. And I thank you, Lord, that you're moving and stirring the hearts of your people this day. And we love you and we praise you for that.